my name is Michal, and I'm from Los Angeles, California, and I think no seminary year is complete without a visit to Beit El. Make sure to visit www.israelnationalradio.com. Hi, I'm Rachel Halderson. I came today to Beit El with my school, Sheer Bamidbar. We had a wonderful time here. It's so beautiful, and everybody should come here and learn to love Israel and Beit El. Shalom, it's Holly Gavai from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Israel National Radio. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the Noahide nations. Shalom, shalom, everyone. Adam and I are so glad that you decided to join us for this hour of the Noahide Nation show. We've got uh, what we feel, as always, an interesting show, but I guarantee it this time. And uh, let me go ahead and apologize because we missed last week. Uh, Noahide Nations ran into uh, quite a number of problems with the website, the servers, or just I mean, just an enormous number of problems. I don't, don't even want to list them here. But we are back, and uh, we're ready to rock and roll. How about you, Adam? How you doing? Well, I, I prefer in some venues rap, in other venues country. <laughs> rock, rock and roll is nice, though, too. You're already going to start making my head hurt, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, welcome aboard, folks. We've got uh, a great guest, uh, as we uh, promised. Uh, we, a couple weeks ago, were talking to Dr. Joshua Golding uh, regarding his book, The Conversation. And it was so interesting that uh, we asked a good doctor if he'd be able to join us. And he said yes. And guess what? We have him here with us today. So we have another conversation. Exactly. So, <laughs> so Adam, do you want to go ahead and bring uh, Dr. Golding on board and introduce him to the, to the folks again, for those who missed it? Uh, Josh, you have permission to come on board. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm on board. <laughs> so anyway, we we wanted to, to bring you back. Uh, we had such a great time talking about your book, um, and now what we'd like to do is uh, talk about uh, actually your. Uh, um, there, it turns out you have uh, involvement in a Noahide community there in uh, Louisville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, yes, that I was do. that was one of the big questions that was just bubbling out of, out of me, and we just I really wanted to get to it, but we couldn't. And that is how in the world did you ever get involved with the the Noahide laws and, and, and Noahides to the magnitude that you are today? Well, um, I, as I mentioned, uh, I think on the last program, I am from. Um, I have a very solid background in uh, traditional Orthodox Judaism, and uh, I was taught at, um, I can't say exactly when, but at a relatively early age, that there is such a thing as the Noahide Commandments, and that uh, our God, the God of Israel, is uh, interested and concerned not only with the Jewish people, but with all of humanity. And that is at least one reason why the Noahide Commandments are have been given, and uh, it's also the Jewish people's responsibility to uh, promote and to teach the Noahide commandments if and when they are able, especially when we find that there are people out there who uh, really want to learn about the Noahide commandments, want to learn Torah, want to learn about the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and are great lovers of the Jewish people. And um, as I say, I, I grew up with this concept, and then um, 
well over the last few years in Louisville, uh, living in Louisville. I'm a professor here at a college, but uh, so happens that in the community here there are a number of people who um, are committed Noahites. And uh, a great friend of mine, Judy Wallace, who herself is Jewish, agreed to help sponsor and promote a uh, Noahide class and events and social gatherings for the Noahides. They uh, often come to synagogue on Shabbat, but uh, we have our own meetings as well, our own uh, weekly class. And um, I'm, I just feel it's, uh, it's an important responsibility that Jewish teachers have to uh, teach the Noahide commandments to those Noahides who are interested. I don't see how we can how, how we can avoid that responsibility and call ourselves sincere Jews. Well, it's so beautiful to hear you uh, say that also. Uh, I know for myself, and I'm sure Adam can uh, attest to this at least in part, that uh, oftentimes when we talk to Jewish people, they don't even know what a Noahide is. And now that seems to be changing a lot, especially over the last 10 years. Wouldn't you say, Adam, that we've gotten a lot more uh, people that have, you know, when you say the word Noahide, it doesn't uh, scare them or it's like, well, what's that? You know, it's, uh, we still have some of that, but not entirely. And I'm, I'm wondering with you, uh, Dr. Golding, I mean, you're a, a rabbi, uh, you're a doctor, you're a professor, um, all-around nice guy. Uh, I hope so. Do you, <laughs> do you notice uh, this sort of trend in, in your neck of the woods uh, out there as, as far as more and more Jews coming to know what a Noahide actually is? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's true. I think I've noticed that here in Louisville over the last uh, several years. Uh, I, I think a lot of it is because there, you know, there is a Noahide community here uh, who uh, are active and participate, and they they come by the synagogue every so often, and uh, they come by social events, and they uh, they also, as I say, they have their own uh, community, their own class classes. And I think it's just tightened the awareness around, at least around here, around Louisville, at least in the in the Orthodox community, and a little bit outside the Orthodox community. People are beginning to Jewish people who are, let's say, not Orthodox, are beginning to find out about it uh, as well. So I think I think there is a trend, and I hope that it grows. Now, are you uh, uh, one of the rabbis who teach them, or are you the only rabbi who teaches? Uh, At the moment, it's basically me. Um, I, I teach uh, every Sunday morning. Uh, we have a class at 11 o'clock. We get, uh, sometimes we get five. Sometimes we'll get closer to ten students who are in the class. There are people who drop in. There are people who, you know, come like once or twice and then disappear. Um, but uh, at the moment, it's basically me teaching the class. Okay. Yes. Not I mean, they, they sometimes come to other classes that are, let's say, at the synagogue, which are taught by other people. Right. But, um, and not, that, that, not that that's only. a bad thing. I mean, I'm sure you're an excellent teacher. And, mm-hmm. and is there anything in particular, in particular that you're teaching them? Um, do you just uh, go from topic to topic? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, we've been doing this for a couple of years now. Um, we were doing kind of a general overview of the Noahide Commandments, so we were doing a sort of a general overview of basic concepts in Judaism. So, like, you know, God, man, Israel, chosenness, the role of the uh, non-Jew in God's plan. Uh, we talked, you know, we had like a whole series 
of classes about the Jewish concept of the Mashiach, the Messiah. Uh, we had a class on what does Judaism have to say about other religions. Um, we discussed the issue of the sort of vexed issue of whether um, Christians uh, or Muslims could qualify as Ben uh, Ben Noah's in good standing, so to speak, from a halachic point of view, which is not an easy question. Um, now, right now, we're, we're doing sort of a little mini course on Jewish philosophy. So we've gotten into uh, things like um, traditional uh, arguments for God's existence and uh, uh, discussion of the problem of evil, the problem of suffering, um, the nature of the soul. Um, I think we're going to do a, a mini-class next on, well, probably not a mini-class, but we're going to do a class on my recent book. That's what they want to do. They want to use my book as a text. So I'm excited about that. That's that's the next plan. We've also done, like, Torah study. You know, we, there was a time when we were just going through the, the portion of the week and just sort of learning learning the Chumash with basic commentary. Those sound like uh, really great classes. Um and you, your book, you know, when we did your interview, I think I mentioned already that it was a, it's, a, it's a really great primer for uh, somebody who doesn't really know much about uh, uh, Judaism and, and wants to learn something about Judaism and, and philosophy, philosophy right. for that matter as well. So uh, it sounds like they're, they're kind of getting the gamut of uh, the Torah tradition there. Yes, I, I think, I think they're, they're spending their time well. Um, there was a time when we were the class would go on for like several hours. Uh, now we sort of, you know, it's basically like an hour and a half or so because I have another class to do after that. But anyway, um, they're great learners. They're interested and uh, they great uh, ask great questions. And um, it's a real uh, it's a real joy and pleasure to uh, to teach uh, students who really want to learn and. Uh, and I learn when I teach. I learn more than they do, probably, by teaching, as we know. <laughs> well, you know, that's a, a great uh, sort of segue. I have a question. It occurs to me you're a philosophy professor. You teach, uh, you teach philosophy at a, at a university, and here you're teaching these Noahides. You know, do you find that uh, there, it's the same process, or, or, or are there differences between uh, teaching uh, philosophy versus teaching uh, Noahides about Torah? Well, I'd say there's some differences and there's some overlap. Um, you know, from one point of view, teaching is teaching. Uh, you're teaching a certain content or a subject matter, and you're trying to get across um, some information, so to speak. Uh, on the other hand, um, the the Noahide class is we're kind of in a religious dimension. We're we're we're, we're everyone there is pretty much committed to what they're doing as sacred so it's holy work it's they're fulfilling in some way they're fulfilling a mitzvah by studying and um when i'm teaching philosophy at bellarmine it's it's not you know not not exactly so clear although for some of the students uh, i do think and there's some part of me which believes that teaching philosophy is uh is a part of, in a very broad sense, is a part of the pursuit of truth, which is, to me, a holy task. But for many of the students in the class, they don't necessarily look at it that way, right? They're just, some of them are there because they just have to be, or because it's a requirement, or 
they just somehow decided to take this class. But uh, I think deep down, a lot of the students are are, are truth seekers because hum, humans are truth seekers, and and in some way they're in some way I think they're they're all trying to find the truth or and or find God in some way. So, um, it's, but but you know you can't you can't sort of assume an obvious conscious commitment to that up front as I can assume in the in the Noahide class where everyone's there and sort of consciously accepts this this idea that what they're doing is is in some way sacred. Well, to be fair, uh, I do want to give you an opportunity to give us a, a quick summary for those who happen to miss our first show uh, about your book, The Conversation, because that's the uh, was the, the main reason we had you the first time and brought you back for this, the second time. So I, I, I'm hoping you'll be able to do a summary for the folks who happen to miss it. And for those who did hear it, once again, you can purchase this book at amazon.com there's a number of places uh, you can purchase it but we all know amazon and just go there the title of the book is the conversation and uh, you're going to enjoy it uh, I, I absolutely know it so doctor if you could kind of give us a quick summary that'd be excellent okay i'll um, i'll try to do that uh basically the the novel the conversation is a philosophical novel it's a a story about a fellow who is uh his name is david he is a college student in uh, some college in the united states he's a jewish college student who comes from a sort of typical american jewish background he doesn't really know that much about judaism uh he knows a little bit about the state of israel a little bit about the holocaust he maybe had a bar mitzvah that was a big party he maybe learned a few hebrew phrases but um, the other thing he knows is that for some reason his mother does not want him to marry a non-Jew when he grows up. So this is a kind of, um, you know, somewhat typical American college Jewish student. And he comes to college. The, the, the novel takes place through four years. And a couple of things happen to him in his freshman year. The book, by the way, is divided up into freshman, sophomore, junior, senior and in his freshman year, he becomes very interested in philosophy, he becomes interested in the sort of the big questions of life, like what's the meaning of life, what's the purpose of life, is there a God, what happens when you die, what, uh, you know, is the, pur- is the purpose of life just to pursue pleasure, um, questions like that. And uh, he starts studying philosophy, Plato and Aristotle and things like that. He also meets several people. Um, with whom he has these conversations. And that's one reason why the book is called The Conversation, is because almost the entire book is in, is in the form of some conversation that he's having with uh, one of the other characters. Um, some of the conversations take place through email, through phone conversations, through letters. He also, at a certain point, starts keeping a journal. So the reader sort of follows the main character, David, along this sort of very philosophical, intellectual, but also spiritual and personal journey as he goes through four years of college, exploring um, different paths. But basically, as what happens in the book is that he gravitates more and more toward a sort of interest in Judaism specifically, but then there's different strands of Judaism, so to speak, or different perspectives on what Judaism is that he gets from different characters. Um, And then in his senior year, he kind of... I mean, the, the, there is a story, there's a plot, there's things happening to him, he has relationships, he 
kind of falls in love a, a couple of times, and things are going on with his parents. I don't want to ruin the, the novel for for the reader out there, but uh, there is a story, but it's also very heavily philosophical and theological. Most of the novel consists in theological and philosophical conversations about uh, questions that any intelligent college student, or not necessarily a college student, but any intelligent person who's sort of beginning to learn about Judaism would would be asking and thinking about, like, you know, can you prove God's existence? What about the problem of evil? What about the Holocaust? Uh, what does Judaism have to say about other religions? And as I think I mentioned on the last program, there's, yeah, we definitely talked about how in the book there also is treated the question of what is the role of the non-Jew in God's plan. And that, of course, brings up the, the topic of the Noahide commandments. Um, so that basically it's... Uh, the reader is invited to follow David along on this intellectual, spiritual journey and see how this person, David, sort of grows as he goes through these four years, matures both intellectually and spiritually, and at the end of the book comes to a certain decision about what, which is going to affect the rest of his life. But I won't, I won't get into that. And, and which leads to a possible sequel if this one does well enough. So, guys, make sure you buy enough copies because I would really <laughs> like to know what happens uh, after this this book concludes. Um, so, I do have a question going back to the whole Noahide issue. Uh, yes. Real quick, it's a real quick sure. question. Um, you know, a lot of uh, rabbis, a lot of people who get involved in teaching Noahides, a lot of them have a sort of I don't know, if, uh, maybe an agenda or a a. a uh, kind of something they would like to see happen with the Noahides. Maybe something they see there's a lack, um, something they think that would benefit the growth of the movement. Do you have anything like that you could share? Um, maybe I haven't been involved long enough to feel that way. I, I just feel that the main thing is to increase the numbers of people who are involved with it um, through teaching, through being there to teach classes and being open to people who want to learn more and, uh, uh, so to speak, just spreading the word. I, um, you know, I, I don't have any other agenda than, than teaching and, and spreading the teaching to those who are willing to, to listen or those out there who, who um, maybe are looking for something spiritual and maybe, maybe they're dissatisfied with what position they're in, whether they're atheists or whether they're Christians or uh, whatever they are. Um, I just think the main effort should be to uh, uh, to teach and promulgate the word, so to speak. And, and people can make their own decisions. You know, I don't want to twist anybody's arm. I don't think that's what we're about right now. And um, it's just about teaching and, 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 and getting the word out. Does that sound... I mean... This sounds very good to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I don't uh, um, uh, I, th- I think it's a good thing uh, for Jews to, to. I mean, after all these years of, let's say, uh, over the centuries, we've had a lot of, you know, anti-Semitism and, and hatred, and um, of course, a lot of our, our, a lot of our non-Jewish Christian friends are, are, are um, you know, are, are, are friendly to us. But I think if we're finding people who are interested in the Noahide Commandments people out there who are potentially interested I think I think we should be very grateful for that and I think we should encourage do what we do what we can to encourage the movement I think it's good for Jews it's good for Israel 
Well, I think you're right. There's a lot of folks out there, and I know that I was one of them at the time, and so was my wife, Mary. We were sitting in a church, and the whole time we were actually believing as a Noahide would believe, only we didn't know it. We Uh We didn't know that's what we were. Uh, we just, you know, all we knew was, you know, really Christianity, the church, and, 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 and the people involved in that. And when we started doing uh, the studying, not just of the Torah, but also of of who we really were, that's when the whole Noahide thing started uh, popping its head out for us. And uh, the more I read about it, and uh, I should say the more we found out about it, that's when we started really taking a, a serious look at this as being who we are. So I know that there's a lot of people out in the, the churches that are the same way. They're, they're kind of thinking the same thing. They're, they're really Noahides. They don't know that they're Noahides, but they're, they're doubting or questioning their belief system because something's just not right. And I think uh, we, as Noahides and the Jewish people as well, uh, need to let these people, you know, see us waving our hand that, hey, over here, over here. <laughs> right. So right. I fully agree. I mean, that's really the the only way that uh, the I don't, I don't even want to use the word movement, but I will. But this whole Noahide thing, the only way it's going to grow is by, well, as, as I've said before, playing in the backyard of Christianity, because that's where. Uh, the people are they're they're christians or messianics and uh-huh. uh, they're just really just simply questioning their current belief system but really don't know what to do about it or, or how to go about finding that truth and we are that outlet right and it sounds like you are as, as well as far as your teachings i'm curious with your uh, uh, synagogue uh, how do the the jewish people in the synagogue take to the noahides when they come for a visit um, well, I think a few years ago, they're kind of look at them with suspicion. Who are these people? You know, oh, these must be missionaries or something like that. Because uh, we get those around here too every so often. Sure. Um, but I think uh, I think over the last few years, uh, people here at, at this synagogue, the only Orthodox synagogue in Louisville. Actually, I think it's the only Orthodox synagogue in Kentucky. But anyway, um, I think that over the last few years, people. I've gotten to just, you know, are, are now familiar with the concept um, and familiar with, oh, oh yeah, he's a Noahide. He's, he's cool. You know, he's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, early early on, my wife and I had to wear a patch that said, I'm okay, you're okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know, that well, helps sometimes. And, and you, know, the, you know, I know some of the people who are in your group, and, you know, you've got a, a really nice group of people there. So I'm sure they... Uh, I'm sure who they are kind of helped the Jewish community get used to, uh, in a positive way, to this this idea of the Noahides. Right, right. Well, we're and, getting uh, towards yeah. the the bottom of the hour, Doctor, and I want to you know invite you back. Uh, we're going to have uh, a little bit of time on the other side of this break, but we do need to sneak away so sure. uh, uh, Israel National Radio can conduct a little business, and we're going to go ahead and do that. Folks, stick around with us. Uh, Adam and I will be back with Dr. Joshua Golding right after this. See you soon.
Yes, darling, this is Grandma JJ here in the USA. We, I just called to wish you blessed holidays and a happy new year. And we're standing with you. So we serve the God, the only God of Israel. Don't give up any more land. God gave you that land. Take care of it and do what you need to do. All the blessings of the Holy One of Israel upon you. The only true God from Grandma JJ in Gallatin, Tennessee. Love you all. You're listening to IsraelNationalRadio.com. Shalom and welcome back, folks. We appreciate you sticking around for the second half of the Noahide Nation show. Uh, we're having uh, some fun here with uh, Dr. Joshua Golding and uh, talking about his new book called The Conversation. It's uh, quite an interesting book. And before the break, I could see this this look in Adam's eye of this, the child who, who sees the toy but can't quite get to it. And, and I saw him starting to sweat because I know he's got a, a, a real big question that he truly wants to ask so i'm going to go ahead and toss it over to adam and uh let him go crazy with this <laughs> I'll, I'll try to to uh you know control myself a little bit here um <laughs> please you know um well i guess the the thing is is that since we since ray brought up the the conversation again last period i, I started thinking um about one of the interesting aspects of the book um you have a character in your book named dr maimon and right. anyone who knows anything about Maimonides or the Rambam can see kind of a connection there. And you have other characters, Phil the Philosopher. And so it makes yeah. me start to think that maybe there's a connection between these characters' names and maybe they're representing something. So your main character's name is David. So I've got to wonder, who is this person? Yes, well, basically you're right that um, pretty much all the characters in the book uh, – if they have a name, there's some kind of a significance to their name. It's it's some in some way a reference or a, a hint at some other great personality uh, who 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 in sort of whose footsteps these characters are going. And so, yeah, the the main character, uh, as you mentioned, his name is David. And um, what I have in mind with that is basically that uh, David represents the soul of Israel, as uh, the Kabbalah teaches, Jewish mystical tradition. Um, actually, I think it's implied in the Talmud that uh, in some way King David contains the soul of all Israel. King David is, of course, the ancestor of the Mashiach to come. And um, what I'm trying to get at with that is that David is the soul of Israel. In this, in this book... David is, uh, he's, he's, he represents the spiritual seeker, who's also an intellectual, but also a real person, uh, who um, is going to in some way combine or harmonize different trends or aspects uh, within the Jewish people. Because, as I mentioned before, what happens in the novel is that he speaks to different characters who are some non-Jewish, but also different characters who are Jewish, each of whom sort of presents a different perspective on Judaism. And what happens toward the end of the novel is that David himself sort of combines and harmonizes and distills the different views that he's getting from these different people into his own 
blend. And I think I think that that's that's sort of my vision of at least part of what uh, what will bring Mashiach is when when Jews can can in some way unite into one can can sort of filter down all the different aspects, all the different inclinations and tendencies, well, at least all the good ones <laughs> that we've had uh, in our past, and sort of take all the, all the great qualities of all the great different leaders and thinkers that we've had, you know, the rationalist, the mystic, the Zionist, the, um, the person who's into uh, chesed and, and love, there's all these different aspects that the Jewish people represent, and the leader is someone who has to somehow combine all those aspects and, um, and 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 through that we would, God willing, um, merit the coming of the Mashiach speedily in our day. Amen. So yeah, the David character is supposed to represent ultimately the Mashiach. Well, I'm not trying to say that this David character is Mashiach. I hope sure. nobody's getting that misimpression. I'm not trying to say that this guy in this book he's supposed to be Mashiach. That's not the point. The point is that he represents in some way that his experiences and his life and his, his thought in some way represents or points toward what, in, in an idealized form, would be the Mashiach. And, you know, you talked about he, how he takes and blends some of these ideas, and uh, that was one thing that, personally, I got very excited about. You know, I, I thought it was just a very interesting way that he, he, uh, he took all these things that he'd been learning, he saw the connections, and then as a result of seeing those connections, he opened... Um, the people we've been having these conversations up to these connections as well, because because up until this point, the various members of the conversation that David's been having throughout the book, they've all been sort of trapped in their own um, perspective. They, they they really haven't grown as individuals until David takes everything they've all said to him and sort of spits it back out there, it seems. Yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe that's a flaw in the book to some extent, uh, if if that is true, that uh, he's the only character who grows. Um, no, well, I think the, the other characters uh, he, grow he's at the, the end character as well. Who definitely grows the most. The right. other characters, they sort of have their perspective, and um, it, it definitely is true relative to them. He's the one who's growing most through the book. But you know, That's you true. you you mentioned in the book, I believe, about um, this this progression of you have a first childhood, you have a an adulthood, then you have a second childhood and a second yeah. adulthood, and that it almost seems like at the end of the book, with the way you you leave it is, is that uh, in some ways David's going through um, an adulthood phase, and all the other characters that he's engaged with are now starting on a new childhood, a new moment where they start going, you know, maybe I didn't have everything figured right. out. And okay, I, so toward the very end, when there's that last sort of almost last conversation, sure, yeah, that's when they begin to think. Uh, maybe I, you know, maybe I'm wrong about a certain few things that I thought. So yeah, that is true. That does happen toward the very toward the very end of the book. That which, the other characters uh, start thinking that way as well. Which is a, an aspect of the Messiah who who, who comes along and, and sort of uh, pushes know. others to improve. Exactly. Right. That's true. So maybe I was reading more into your book than you meant, but I, I thought it was a very interesting. It seemed very interesting to me. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, one of the things about a fictional book. A, a book with characters and events is that there's there's a lot more. I think there's a lot more. Uh, you know, there's a lot more room for interpretation about you know why are these characters doing what they're doing and do these characters make sense and are there 
are their behaviors consistent with one another? Um, it, it just, I think, makes more. It makes for a richer, um, multi-dimensional type of uh, read than a straight uh, tractate, which also can have different interpretations as well. But um, not not as rich, I think, as as one that involves personalities. Well, Doctor, we once again appreciate you uh, honoring us and giving us the privilege of uh, talking with you again. Uh, It's a privilege for me to speak on your program, believe me. Well, and for all of our listeners, please go ahead and pick up this book. We didn't want to give everything away because it's uh, it's an exciting book, and uh, it does cause people to think. I mean, it really does make you pause and and contemplate what's going on in your own life. So I would say take advantage of that. Get over to Amazon and uh, go ahead and buy uh, Dr. Golding's book called The Conversation. And we want to go ahead and bring in uh, uh, Rabbi David Katz, who is going to be giving us another excellent teaching on Torah and Shem and Noah and uh, just you know be just another week of, of great teaching. So, Dr. Golding, thank you again for joining us. Thank you very much. It's been great. Okay, Adam, I will catch you on the other side of Rabbi Katz. See you guys soon. The Torah Academy of Shem and Aver. Shem, the son of Noah was famous for, for being the spreader of Torah in the New World. But most famously for Shem was his two Torah academies. One Torah academy is in Sfat, in the Galil of Israel. And the second is in Nineveh, outside the land of Israel. Now why does Shem have two Torah academies? And why is Torah... The main component of Shem. Why don't we say he was a nice guy? He was a regular righteous guy. He was he was close to God. He was into good deeds. He was into commandments. In fact, we don't even mention the seven mitzvahs of Noah, the seven commandments of Noahides, when we mention Shem. It's just a, it's a no brainer. But why don't we emphasize? Wow, he really did the seven laws well. Because that's not what defines Shem. That's not what defines a Noahide. A Noahide, really the top of the food chain, is his connection to Shem through the avenue of the yeshiva, the academy of Shem and Aver, through Torah. This is why we emphasize that Shem's burial at his academy in the Galil, where it's in the Holy Land, where it emphasizes the written law, and the academy outside the land in Nineveh emphasizes the spoken custom of Noahides, Derech Eretz, the way of the world, maintaining the world, learning how the world works. And when infused in that, is they commit to writing their, their Torah from their experience in the world, come to the land at the Academy of Shem and Aver in the north of Israel, where it's about the written law, where you can come to speak and hear from outside the land to inside the land. You, you hear what is said, and that's the Torah generated from the Academy of Shem. So now that we're discussing the Torah of Shem. Why does Torah matter so much? 
Why don't we emphasize, go learn the laws, just do the laws and, and be good. Because the learning Torah for the Noahide is the really sublime connection to Shem. Let's go into Leviticus 18.4 and 5. Carry out my laws and safeguard my decrees. To follow them, I am Hashem your God. You shall observe my decrees and my laws, which man shall carry out, and by which he shall live, I am Hashem. Not Cohen, not priest, not Levi, not Jew, not Gentile. Man. No distinction or special categorization. He who learns Torah will live with Hashem. Now what do we say on this verse? It was taught in the oral tradition. Where do we know that a Noahide who is busy himself with Torah, he is compared to the high priest. Since it says, he will do them the man. Not the priest, not the levy, not the Jew, but man. Which teaches us that a Ben Noah, a Noahide involved in Torah, is like the high priest. We see fantastic hints in these verses. And you shall guard them, ushmartem. Works out to be rotem shemo. Rotem is a Hebrew word meaning harnessed. Shemo means his Shem, as in his Shem ben Noah. You have harnessed his Shem. You have, you have been linked back to the academy of Shem. Mishpate, and you do his judgments, his laws. Pati comes from the language in Hebrew to conquer your inclination. And the remaining two letters spells Shem. You are of Shem who has conquered the physical desires of this world. You've elevated yourself to be a servant of God. We look at two more characteristics of this verse. The end letters give you a value of that you will be doing them as a man. That you should do them. Is the last three letters of the, of the word Avraham, Abraham, Raham, Reish Hamem. The last three letters of the name Abraham. To show the whole world is under the teaching of Abraham. He was united with Shem on the Temple Mount. And he then goes on to father Isaac. When you take the, the value of the rest of the verse is the value Isaac. Thus there's the Jewish component. And there's the Ben Noah who through Abraham and Abraham's connection to Shem made the Torah linkage possible. And it goes back to the academy of Shem and Aver. Aver being the Hebrew, the ancestor to Abraham the Hebrew. And now we're going to get into a very fundamental categorization. Categorization is not usually that good of an idea. Everybody's heard of the Jewish nation and their charge with Torah. What is the Noahide nation coming to do? What do they represent? Who are they? Who are they to God? Who are they in terms of history? Who are they today? 
The Jewish people have been chosen to give over the Torah, guard the Torah, keep the Torah. If you don't keep that mission, you're out. The Jewish nation has been a small nation over time. Who are the Noahide nation? The specially elected nation of God. Look up specially elect. It means divinely chosen for salvation. To be the brotherhood, mano y mano, with the Jewish people. The Jewish people have the Torah. They're teaching the Torah. They should be reliving the Academy of Shem. Giving over the Torah in the, in the manner that it was received by Shem from his father Noah. Min Noach. From a resting place. The Torah should be learned with the, the, the substitution of the ways of the world. The Noahide keeps the world intact, keeps the world going for the Jew as learning Torah, but the Noahide can learn the Torah and get right there to be just as with the chosen nature of the Torah to be a high priest in Torah. We know that there's an evil sect of Judaism called Erev Rav, the intermingled crowd. Moses brought them out of Egypt. They came to Mount Sinai and provoked the golden calf. The replacement of the evil is when the Jew and the Noahide dwell together in the name of Torah. That's called achdus in Hebrew. Brotherhood. Unity. That's the true brotherhood going back to Shem and Abraham. Abraham spawning Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes, and so forth to Mount Sinai. But looking back in the rear rear view mirror, all the while, his brotherhood was Shem. And every Noahide who is specially elected from Hashem and goes in the ways of the Torah is right there in the land of Israel at the academy of Shem and Aver with the Torah. There still is a fine distinction. But the the point is, there's a brotherhood. There's a mingling together. That's why the Jew has the tzitzit, the fringes on his garment that are, today we wear white. They'll say, but some Jews wear blue. Most wear white. And the white tzitzit are in the merit of Shem. So when a Jew is wearing white tzitzit today, ordained by divine providence, what is he really saying? I represent the Torah of Shem. And the Noahide sees that and says, that's the Torah of Shem. I am like a high priest as well, according to this teaching in the Torah. The more you go in Torah, the more you become chosen to learn the Torah. We learn this from Cain and Abel. Abel was the original priest. Cain was the original Levi, companion or helper of the priest. Cain says, I am a Levi. And from me, if I continue, is a Cohen. The Cohen of the left. Abel says, I am a priest. And from, I came from, and I come from Levi. If I'm a priest, I am of Levi. Cain says, I am a Levi, I can become a priest. The Noahide of the Jew has the same dichotomy. 
The Jew may have been chosen to keep the Torah, but the Jew must find it in himself to be specially elected to be the representative of Torah in the world. Very hard task. Much like Abel was to negate himself and realize, I come from him. The Jew comes from Shem and Noah originally. Cain, I am a Levi, I I am to become a priest. If I continue going in Torah, says the Noahide, I can even become the high priest. At that point, you'll have a high priest and a priest. The similarities are so close, it's a joint brotherhood. The definition of the character is defined. A Jew is a Jew, a Noahide is a Noahide. There is no mixing of the two. But are they interacting? Absolutely interacting. On equality, equal plane in the name of Torah as brought down in the academy of Shem and Aver, the forefathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob in particular learned in the academy of Shem and Aver. For 50 years he served Shem. And it all goes back to the Torah calls you Ha'adam, the man. He who learns Torah will allow you, the Jew, to become specially elected if he keeps the Torah properly. And the Noahide has the ability to choose the Torah of Hashem and be part of the chosen process of putting Torah in the world and the knowledge of God. Thank you so much, Rabbi Katch. That was a, a, just another outstanding teaching uh, amongst the ones he's already presented, and I know he's going to be coming back with a lot more. So, uh, folks, you need to stick around to the Noahide Nation show on a weekly basis because we've got uh, great interviews, great discussion, great teachings, and we hope that you'll just continue to join us. Uh, Adam, that was, that was a pretty cool teaching, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. every week. Well, I know that uh, we've got uh, a little bit of time here. I want to remind everyone that if you do have any questions, any comments, uh, you know, any any nice things that you'd like to say about us, please do uh, send that into Noahide at IsraelNationalRadio.com, and you can even post some messages on our webpage on Israel National Radio as well. So we hope that you'll uh, go and, and visit that. And uh, even if you do have some bad things, I mean, we're we're big boys. We can take it. <laughs> we right can take it. No problem whatsoever. <laughs> we'll probably end up doing a show on it if you get us <laughs> hot and bothered enough on it. Who knows? Yeah, we will, of course, leave your name out of it. So. <laughs> But, yeah, please, folks, do uh, join us again. And uh, Adam and I, in the meantime, are going to cut on out of here and wish you all a great week. Shavuot Shavuotov. Back. I'm from LA. I'm 18. I'm here in Israel for seminary and I love every minute. Hi, I'm Khani Roth from Los Angeles, California. Today we came to visit Beit El. We got to see Yaakov's rock and it was really cool. Hi, my name is Sarah Schindler. I'm here with my seminary Sherba Midbar in Beit El and 
and I can't wait to be back here in 20 years and see how much it's grown. IsraelNationalRadio.com